Good morning. Good morning, everybody. He is risen and we have risen as well, haven't we? We've arrived. We've arisen from where we were and where God wants us to be. Um, there is a new life that each of us, if we've accepted Jesus into our lives, new life that we have. And it's the life of Jesus who's resurrected that lives in us this morning, which is such an exciting thing, isn't it? Such an exciting thing. But now for something completely different. As you may have heard, if you were old enough to know Monty Python. Um, But this is going to be, um, I'm going to play a clip in a minute on uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's the 1970s version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And for those that don't know the story or have forgotten, because it's so long ago you actually saw the film, um, it's all about these five children from around the world that receive a ticket, a golden ticket. And it's an invitation to Willy Wonka's factory. And the clip that we're about to, to see now is where Charlie, who actually receives the last ticket, returns home to his family. And he's got a poor family. And you'll notice, actually, that the grandparents are in this bed. <coughs> they haven't actually left the bed. They've been in the bed for just about all, well, as long as we know, they've been lying in this bed. And then Grandpa Joe does something unexpected. Well, Charlie thought he had the last ticket, but I've got the last golden ticket. (laughs) And for those listening online, I've got an imitation copy of the golden ticket, of Charlie's golden ticket. And it was was for, for Grandpa Joe, it was an expectation of a new world, wasn't it? Of something which was bigger than life that he'd experienced, greater than the life that he'd experienced. And it gave him a hope. And he was, before he was in a life of drudgery and he didn't see anything else. But then this hope rose up within him. And it was the hope of something which was better. And it was the hope of a new world. And, you know, we all have a golden ticket. Everybody that has received Jesus into their lives, have accepted Christ as their saviour, has started to follow him, we know that there is a hope beyond this life. And uh, Paul mentions it in Philippians 1. He says it's um, a life that is better by far. And uh, for some of us, it's not that far off, is it? (laughs) If we think about it. And it's such a beautiful, wonderful hope. I'm just going to read some 1 Corinthians 13. It's the great passage on love. But I'm going to read from verses 9 through to 12. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's a life at the end of this fleshly life, isn't there? And it's the, it's the opportunity that we have to see Jesus completely in his beauty, 
in his wonder. We have that privilege of knowing that we can see him in that way. And it's an opportunity, as Paul mentions in Philippians, where he actually mentions um, is better by far. In that whole letter, he's talking about joy. So it's an invitation. The invitation isn't just the invitation for what we're to expect. And we've been singing songs about the resurrection and, and the hope that we have. Grandpa Joe got out of his bed because he could see the hope ahead of him. But it was a, it was a hope that actually energized him in the here and now. He got up, he had life in him. And it's a life that the Lord wants for us. And Paul, as we know, and as David spoke a few weeks ago about the thorn in the flesh, we know that, that Paul had his sufferings. He experienced them um, in ways that some, perhaps, well, I suspect, well, I'm pretty sure none of us have experienced uh, the amount of suffering that he actually went through. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, he says this, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So our focus, even on this world, is to, be, to focus on what is unseen. And uh, this morning, I want us to look at um, the whole thing of life in the Spirit, because this is what we have for now, life in the Spirit, new creation, and abundant grace. Um, very well-known passage to lots of us is John 3, um, where it talks about that we must be born again. I'm just going to read a few verses from John 3, verses 5 to 8 in John 3, if you want to follow. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So every human is born of water. That's our flesh. But when we're, we're born again, we're born of the Spirit. We actually become more spirit than flesh. We're not to concentrate our lives on our flesh, but on the spirit that is within us. And Paul, in his letter, explains that those that are born again are also new creations. So in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, um, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. He is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We're invited into that life of the Spirit, which is part of our living in our new creation. But so often we go back and we do tend to live in our old life and in the patterns of our old life. I've been reading um, Galatians recently. I just felt 
led to, to read it. And I'm just going to read a passage from Galatians, which I think actually sums up the letter. It's in Galatians 6, 11 to 19. Galatians 6, 11 to 19. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that you may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. For now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. It tells us that Galatians talks about the, the church that's become bewitched, as Paul says, by some Christians that have come from Jerusalem that are saying that if they want to continue to be part of the covenant relationship with God, that they need to follow certain laws, one of which was circumcision. Um, and they needed to adopt these requirements. They were going back to living by the law and the flesh when they were called by, as Paul says, to be and to live in their new creation, free from the law. Um, the obstacles that are in the way of the Holy Spirit in our living the abundant life and the power that we're meant to be living as new creations is that we so easily look back to our lives before and to live through the flesh and through live in our old ways. And the invitation is always there for us to live by the Spirit. He's not just an add-on, Jesus. You know, Galatians 2 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. It is part of our lives that we are to live outside of our own um, efforts and our own will to try to achieve when actually the Lord wants us to step back and come to him and recognise that he is the one that is there to fulfil everything he wants to do in our lives and through his spirit. We're not just to become those that do better, but we're to become those that live completely new lives, open and fully living by the Spirit. And that is how our life is to be led, through the Spirit. It's through the abundant grace that the Lord has put on, given to us. It's not through our own attempts. We're to lay down all our doing and start to be who he wants us to be living from our freedom. Galatians 5, 1 says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
When I was um, 27 <coughs> years old, um, I remember that time because I'd actually just left <coughs> BT and I joined a, jo a job, I went to a job, <coughs> excuse me, I'd better get something to drink. I went to a job which I thought would be great. It was, um, it was a job of somebody that I knew that was lead, that was basically set up himself. It was a trading company. And he asked me to join him in this trading company. Um, and it didn't go well at all. It was, uh, um, I think I was bullied, to be honest, um, I have to say. I, and I got myself more and more ill. And I got to the point where I wasn't able to work anymore. And in fact, it had actually started some time before when I'd worked in BT. So I was there for five years and um, I'd been off work quite a lot to the point where they, I was put in a regular tender procedure and they were looking at ways of, of getting rid of me because I'd been off so much. And I had what they, they, they said was ME. <clears throat> and so I was worn out and really, really tired. And so much so that I wasn't able to hold it down a job anymore. And um, at that time, Wendy and I were in a in Ichthys congregation, and um, I went to see one of the leaders in Ichthys, and um, I don't remember anything that he said. I don't remember anything he prayed for. But when I walked in to that house, I knew and I could sense the grace of God upon my life. You know, I, it, it was a tangible sense of God's grace, knowing that I was loved, <coughs> knowing that I was accepted, knowing that I didn't need to be different. And um, from that point, I was, I received healing. I was getting better and better. Um, but the thing with me that I know personally is that I've struggled over the years to maintain peace in my heart. I felt that I needed to strive for God's pleasure, strive to please other people, and not really felt that I was completely adequate to be able to do what I should be doing. And it's, it's this verse in Galatians 5 verse 1, to stand firm, is something that is really key for us all. Because there are those areas in our lives where we do feel that we're going back to our old life. We're going back to those rules that say, well, do you remember when your father said you weren't actually quite good enough? Do you remember that time in school when somebody, a teacher in an authority, position of authority said something to you that humiliated you and made you feel really, really little. And it's amazing how we carry so much with us where actually the Lord wants us to live in that freedom that says, I have completed the work. It is finished. I have done all that is needed. I have won. The word for grace as well as is also favour I mean, if you look in the Greek, there's another way you can refer to, to grace as favour. <clears throat> and what I'm learning, and what I wanted to share this morning, is actually, I'm God's favourite. 
You're God's favourite. He favours you. It doesn't need, it doesn't, not because you've done anything. I didn't do anything when I went to be prayed for. I walked into that house and I experienced God's grace. It wasn't anything that I did other than I made a decision to go there, to put myself in that place, which sometimes perhaps we need. We need to be in a, to put ourselves in that place, to come to church when we don't feel like we want to, or whatever it is, or come to a different, whatever is needed to come into that place where God can meet us in his power and through his grace. I had, um, I've been reading a devotional and uh, I just love these, this little bit and I'll just read out what I've um, recently read. <clears throat> we must leave behind the energy of the flesh so we can move into the holy place with God. We enter his presence by grace alone. The flesh doesn't need to work harder to please God. When you come into his presence, you must leave striving behind. Come with the essence of love, humility, and gratefulness streaming from your heart. Jesus paid a beautiful price, and we've been recognizing that And as we've broken bread. He's paid a beautiful price to call you his own and make you pure. He's all you need. Yeah, The world is looking for people that are different. We're not to mirror what we see. Uh, you know that verse that says that we are transformed from one degree of glory to another, it's not as we behold what's going on around us, it's as we behold him. And so our focus and our attention has to be away from the things that are around us and the world that so often sort of just entangles us. And it needs to be on him because he is the one that brings the transformation into our lives. What my, one of my dreams is this. It's for myself and it's for you as well. And it's in Galatians again and Galatians 5 again. And it says in Galatians 5 verse 16, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's quite simple, isn't it? It sounds too simple sometimes. You think, well, how can that happen? How can I do that? Well, I think we've got to realise that there's a process and not to feel that bad if we've failed or we're learning. We're learning. The better way of looking at things is that we're learners. We're not failures. We're learners. So sometimes we need to step out into something that God tells us. And we may not, it may not be right. But we've, we've stepped out and we've shown faith in what we feel God is saying. So I think it sometimes is a process. But we have to move from just thinking, well, I'm living my life as I've always lived it. And... We need to start to focus on living as he wants us to live. And I mentioned about the whole thing of, um, I'll mention that a little bit later, sorry. I was going to go into something else, but I'll mention that later. 
Um, I was, when I was thinking of doing this talk, I was going to title the talk, It's Time to Dig Wells. It's Time to Dig Wells. So um, I, you've probably all seen pictures in, in the news and things where there's droughts and, and you've got children, well, they're doing, even if there isn't a drought, children having to travel all day to get to a well because they know that by doing that, they're going to be able to receive water that will sustain the life of themselves and their families. And we, we just take it for granted, we turn the tap on. But there's actually people there that are actually having to, and seeking out water, they're seeking out the wells. And I, I would say that this world is looking for wells. It's looking for people that are actually, as Jesus says, out of your innermost belly will flow rivers of living water. That we are, as, a, as his people here, to, to bring the presence of the Holy Spirit, to release the presence of Jesus into the world around us. So that when we walk into a room, we can change the atmosphere because we're carrying something which is completely different to what is happening in the world. When I, I, when I was praying recently, I, I, I had a picture. Um, I'd been, I was praying to God and I was frustrated, to be honest. Don't know whether you pray prayers of frustration. <laughs> I was just getting, I was getting so frustrated. I was thinking, I don't want to be limited in my physical health anymore. You know, I, I, and, I, and I was, um, and also I, I, I was, and actually at that point when I was sort of praying out of my frustration, I had a picture that came into my mind and um, it was a picture of a medieval battle and it was like a hand-to-hand -hand combat and it was quite bloody and, you know, really in your face and and I was there with my sword I was in the middle of that battle and then I had a, a picture that just changed in my imagination or vision or whatever it was I had a change all of a sudden and I was in a place of peace and in that place I was able to hear the father's words speaking to me and when I was hearing his words, I, I, I was growing and recognizing that actually I'm standing in the victory that Jesus has won for me already. I'm not to remain in that battle. And for me personally, I think I've had uh, quite a strong sort of battle theology. So I battle against the enemy. I, I battle against my flesh. I subdue it. And... Um, because I, and it, there's an element which is, it can be right for that. But the, the, the problem with it, and this is what I've experienced, is that it's not where we know and where we expect it to see our victory. Our vi the victory that Jesus has won for us has already been accomplished. We don't have to fight for the victory. We need to stand. That's why Ephesians' example it encourages us to stand firm. We're to stand in 
the victory of what Jesus has done. And um, I, I still, along with other struggles, I have still struggled with this whole thing of, of, um, of, trying, of trying to live out of a, of a sense of what I need to do. One thing that just came to my mind this morning, actually, when I was um, just thinking about what I was going to say, is the story of Jesus in the boat and the river and the, the storms that were going on around, and Jesus was asleep. He was at peace in the boat because he he allowed himself to live in his spirit, didn't he? He allowed himself to live in the spirit. He recognised that in that place. He had complete authority and dominion and he could take action against and take over, control over the things that were raging around, the storms that were raging around. Where we go, we turn on the light because Jesus is the light of the world. Darkness cannot stand in the light. A year ago, I've got up on the screen, revival is coming, but if you remember just over a year ago, Michael came and spoke and he said these words which I've, I've not forgotten. Revival, why not here? Why not now? Revival, why not here? And why not now? You know, it is time for us to dig deep, to come into a place where we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. There's no condemnation. Often we put lots of things on us that restrict us about what God wants to do, how he's going to move. really appreciate John sharing that testimony because we want to see more healings, don't we? We want to see more of his kingdom breaking in. We want to be those that become that living water, that are that living water for the world around us. That people actually will get drawn to us because they're drawn to the spirit of God that was within us. You know, we won't need to necessarily be shouting out from the rooftops will be there and they'll know that something is different. They'll know that God's power is at work and he's doing something that no one else could do, only God could do. Lord, we thank you that everything that you speak to us is true. Every word that has been spoken that you have spoken is true. But we break every lie that has come from the enemy now in our lives. Every lie that has come down from our history that said that we're not, we're not enough. When you have said that we're more than enough in you. Lord, we ask and we thank you that, Lord, you have given us this golden ticket this entry into heaven, this place 
Well, there'll be no more crying, no more pain. But Lord, that we can experience this life to come. But Lord, we do thank you that the life is for us now to live abundantly and full of joy. And we pray that you would take hold of each one of us wherever we are and whatever we're going through and raise us up so that we're seated with you in heavenly places, as Paul says in Ephesians. We're seated with you in heavenly places. We're not under our circumstances, we're over our circumstances. And we have your authority. And Lord, I ask that as you move, you would touch this world around us, that this would become a place of revival, a place, Lord, where you are stirring up your spirit and leading us in to a move of God that we've never seen before. Revival, why not here? What do you think? Yes. yes why not now? Yes. Why not now? You know, lots of people in the... I'll finish now. But a lot of people in the um, in revivals... Um, I, I, you know, I'm from Wales, so I've listened to quite a bit of different things from the Welsh revivals. But the, the start of the Welsh revival came from just a few individuals. You know, we, we think of um, Evan Roberts and we think of different personalities that are associated with revival. But a lot of it is just people with a hunger for more of God and they're crying out for more. And that's what we, we want to do, don't we? We want to say no to the flesh, yes to the spirit. Let's see more of God come in our lives. Amen. 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 Amen.